0: Welcome to SCG Church's podcast. We hope you enjoyed this message, and remember, you can always join us live online at seacoastgrace.org or on our YouTube and Facebook pages. We also have live outdoor services underneath our tent at Saturdays at 5 p.m. and Sundays at 9 a.m. Thanks so much for listening. Oh, it feels so good to be back. So um, does anybody recognize the hook in that song? What's it from? Welcome back what? yeah that's where it's from, but you know where I know it from. Any millennials out there? Welcome back from Mace. you know Mace money sign mace Hey yo <laughs> All right uh, anyway, so glad to uh, to be back in the house're just um, We're just honored that you would come and you'd hang out with us and so um, I just want to take just a quick minute and uh, and talk through you saw our journey and you've been a part of that journey and, and hopefully you've been um, uh, uh, Contributing to that journey. But as I was thinking about this, this is last year, I was reminded of not just our journey, but a famous journey that you see in the scriptures. And so I want to walk through that journey really quickly, and I'll give you like the Cliff Notes version because um, I think there's some things that are analogous to the journey that we've been on for this last year. And so for those of you who aren't super familiar with the Bible or kind of the whole meta-narrative that's taking place there, I'm gonna walk you through the big picture really quick because it feels like sometimes if you go to church and you're not like a regular church person, you jump into a show that's already like taking place like mid-season and you're like I have no idea what is happening right now who are these characters what is the storyline what is going on so um, I want to try to get you up to date with a quick recap all right so if you go back to the very beginning you probably know this part. You have Adam and Eve, and, and uh, they're created in God's image, and God loves them, and then things just spin out of control. They start to rebel. Sin enters the world. It's an entire, uh, it's an entire mess, and, um, and they decide, you know what? This is a stressful time. I think that we should probably do what most people do in stressful times. We should have some kids, and so uh, having kids always makes things easier, so they have a couple kids, two of which are Cain and Abel. Well, that doesn't go well because uh, the Cain kills Abel, and uh, he gets cast out and they're out of the garden and it's just a mess. And so it pretty much sets the stage for what's going to take place after this, which is humanity is a disaster. Things are just continuing to get worse and worse. And finally, God goes, you know what? I'm not sure that this is going to work out. I think we need to do a reset. And so he sends a flood, and except for Noah, and you know the whole Noah's Ark thing, um, he wipes out humanity, and he starts it over again. And so as humanity begins to repopulate the earth, they're just back to their old ways. They build this tower. They think that they're going to be able to reach heavens, and they're some, somehow important. And, and so God just goes, oh my goodness, you guys, you're still just messing up. And so he just destroys the tower. He confuses them. He spreads them out. And he says, you know what? I'm going to have to go down there and fix this. And so God begins bringing back his creation under his authority. And he starts with one man. His one man's name is Abraham. And he comes to Abraham and he says, Abraham, it's your lucky day because I am gonna do something pretty significant through you. There's nothing special about Abraham. God just chose him and says, I'm gonna have a special relationship with you. We're gonna enter into what's called a covenant. And in this covenant, if you are faithful to me, if you worship me, I'm going to give you land, I'm going to make your name great, and through you and your family, I'm going to rise up an entire nation of people that have a special relationship with me. And through those people, they're going to bless the entire world. And it actually begins to start happening. Now, if you know anything about it, um, it's a roller coaster ride. Is, uh, I always joke about, you know, people say that they want to have a biblical family. They're clearly not talking about the Old Testament biblical family. <laughs> Because if you know any of the stories, it is wild. And even through all the chaos and all the confusion, it begins to take place. The family starts to grow and is given this promised land. Well, with just a few generations, you get to another character named Joseph. And you probably heard of Joseph before. He's got an incredible uh, style. And so Joseph ends up getting sold off into slavery in Egypt by his brothers. No, through a series of events, and one of which is a famine, they have a family reunion in Egypt. They come together, and they decide, you know what? We're going to stay here. There's nothing really back for us back in our land, so we're just going to stay put here. Well, they quickly go from being guests to being slaves in Egypt. And so for the next 400 years, they grow as a nation, just like God had promised, but they grow as a nation of slaves. And then God raises up another man named Moses. And Moses is sent to get his people, God's people, out of Egypt and into the promised land. And so he goes and he tells Pharaoh, you better let my people go. And Pharaoh says, no way. And so then God sends 10 plagues and that convinces him that they should probably let these people go. And so as they're heading out of Egypt into the desert, they hit the, uh, they hit the Red Sea. And as they're hitting the sea, uh, they think, okay, you know what? Um, we could be in trouble because the Egyptians are right behind us and uh, And they want us back. Well, God parts the Red Sea, crashes in on the Egyptians, and they're free. They're in the desert. Now, this is where we're going to pick up our story, is for 40 years, the Israelites are wandering around in the desert, and Moses is leading them, and they have some winds, they get things like the Ten Commandments, and God you know, uh, tells them to make the tabernacle, and that's kind of a cool place where they can interact. And, and they have some losses as well. They get uh, attacked by other nomadic groups, and they also have a bunch of complainers and rebels amongst them. And so there's this turning point when they're at the edge of the promised land. And this is where the story really changes, good or bad. Let's jump in. Here's what it says. Numbers 13.1, it says, The Lord said to Moses, Send some men to explore the land of Canaan which I am giving to the Israelites from each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. And so Moses says, all right, I'm going to take out of the 12 tribes of Israel, one from each tribe, and you're going to go into the land, and you're going to see what it looks like. I want you to survey, do some reconnaissance. And so that's what they do. And verse 13, 27 says, they gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you had sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. And so they come back to Moses with the report, it's exactly like God promised. It's amazing. This is gonna be a beautiful place for us to be able to, um, to settle. The problem is, in verse 28, but the people who live there are powerful and the cities are fortified and very large. We can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land that they had explored. And they said, the land we explored devours those living and all the people we saw there are of great size. And this is my favorite line. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes and, they lo- and we look the same to them. And so they come back and they say, it's amazing. It's exactly like God said. The problem is there is giant walls and giant cities and giant people and we're like little grasshoppers to these giants. And so they have to make a decision. What are they going to choose? Are they going to choose faith? They're going to trust that God is going to provide a way, or are they going to choose fear? Here's what they answered. Verse uh, 14, one. That night, all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said to them, If only we had died in Egypt or in this wilderness, why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? They said to each other, we should consider choosing a new leader and going back to Egypt. So clearly they choose fear over faith. It goes on, they even even start talking about stoning Moses because of his poor leadership. Now, if you've ever had to manage people and been a leadership, there's some consequences to being a bad leader. This is a serious consequence. It's like off with your head if you do a bad job. And so they start complaining that they want to go back into slavery. They want to go back to where at least they had some kind of food and safety. And so this is one of the ironies of the story, is they've complained so much along the way, and they've been so disobedient that eventually God just says, okay, I'm going to give them what they really want. And, I, and many of us have learned the hard way that one of the worst punishments that God can give us is grant us our request, is give us what we continue to be fighting for, to give us what we want. And so that's what God does here. He says, okay, if that's what you really want, then you can have it, and you're gonna experience the consequences of it. And so the result is, if I fast forward, is Moses. And the an entire generation that was wandering in the desert with him, they died in the desert. <laughs> it's not a happy ending, is it? Bummer. Uh, but here is the problem, is... Although they were out of slavery, slavery was not out of them. They were still enslaved. They may have been physically free, but mentally they were still enslaved. And so they could never really get out of this enslaved mindset. And I don't want you to miss the point here is the big picture that the scripture is getting at after in this, uh, in this story is not just about Israel, it's about humanity. Is the point is that humanity is enslaved, that, that's been kind of the big picture narrative throughout is humanity has been enslaved. Now, you not, may not be physically enslaved, but there's all different types of, of slavery. Slavery comes in addiction and desire, destructive habits and thinking, insecurities, fears. Here's a common one that I've seen and I've experienced myself is um, expectations. I listened to a philosopher the other day, and he pointed out the fact that um, for a long time now, here in America, we have been telling people that they can do and be whatever they want, which I understand. That's a good thing, but it's also not true. Like, I can't be whatever I want. I can't do anything that I want. Like, I should aspire, and I should work hard, but like, We've set these standards, these expectations for our life that if we are not a CEO, a model, an Instagram influencer, if we're not just the top 0.1%, where we're all you know kings and queens and princesses and princes, then somehow we have failed. Because the picture that we paint for all the kids is, if you want to succeed, this is what success looks like. And so when you don't succeed in that way, you just have a regular house and car and spouse and kids and life and when you just have a normal life, you're actually a failure. And so we continue to just be crushed under the enslavement of these expectations. Now, one of the most obvious ones from this last season um, is the uh, enslavement to fear. So many different types of fear. I- I've seen, and I think that would probably be, we talked about this last week, Is probably one of the, the most common struggles in this last year. And I read this article, and uh, I thought it was kind of telling it. The American Psychological Association found that 48% of adults who have been vaccinated said they felt uneasy about returning to in-person interactions once the pandemic is over. So here's the thing, is not only are we physically enslaved in our homes, but we're mentally enslaved to the fear of getting sick. See, we have this natural disposition to enslave ourselves or to be enslaved, is, and if we're going to really talk about what the, the real issue is, these are all symptoms. These are all things that we know we should be free from and we want to be free from, but we can't seem to be free. And if we're going to address these symptoms, we have to address the underlying cause. And the scripture says the real reason why we find ourselves enslaved is because we are slaves to sin. That's the real issue. The real problem is that we have this thing called sin that lives within us, and it will constantly enslave us until we decide to deal with it. And that's what Jesus came to do. He says he has come to set the captives free, to set us free from the slavery of sin by his atonement on the cross. The problem is, is that people have started to enjoy slavery. I know this sounds really weird, but like, just follow me for a second here. Is slavery is comfortable. It is safe. It is... It is a lot safer oftentimes than freedom because freedom can be dangerous and scary. So here's a conversation I have all the time. Somebody comes to me and they go, you know, my life's a mess. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's a relational problem. Maybe it's whatever. And, and they say, you know, I just feel like I'm, I'm trapped. Like I can't get out of this. I wanna fix this. And I say, you know, you've been doing this your way for a long time now and it doesn't seem to be working. Maybe you should give your life to Jesus, allow him to take control and see how that does, see, see if that works out any better. And I, oftentimes he responds, yeah, I don't think I'm ready for that. I'm not really sure. What they're really saying is, yeah, I know that I can find freedom, but I'm pretty comfortable where I'm at. I don't necessarily enjoy it, but at least it's familiar. This is true not only of people who don't follow Christ, but I've seen this is true of people who do follow Jesus. Is some of us, we have accepted this freedom that Christ offers us. And so legally, like spiritually, we're set free. In God's sight, we are no longer slaves to sin, that we've been given this new nature. The problem is that we've lived as slaves for so long, we don't know how to live as free people. And so we continue to allow these things that have no authority over us to enslave us. We're stuck just like the Israelites in this slave mindset. So the end result, because they uh, continue to allow slavery to be in them, is they ended up dying in the desert. <laughs> this is like my fear, right? this is my fear in life, is I do not want to die in the desert. That sounds terrifying. Not physically die in the desert. I mean like spiritually and relationally die in the desert, is I don't want to miss what God is calling me to because I'm afraid or because I'm comfortable. See, they got to the edge of the promised land and they probably thought, you know, the promised land is over there and it looks really nice, but like this side is cool too. We have like water views here, you know, like this is probably valuable land. I think we could develop something here. It's because they were safe. They were comfortable. And so they allowed that to determine their destination. Here's what uh, the two who stood out. So the spies come back, 12 of them, two of them, Joshua and Caleb, they interject and they say, oh, hold on. The land we pass through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid of the people of the land, because we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. Two people out of all of them stood up and said, are you crazy? Do you not see what we see over there? See, What you see as obstacles, we see as opportunity. What you see as giants and grasshoppers, we see as God working. Do you not see what we see? Yeah, you're right. If this was up to us, it would be a suicide mission. There's no way. They have more skill. They have more people. They have the land. They have everything. We have nothing except for the one thing that really matters. God's on our side. And so do you not see what's awaiting us? Do you not see clearly what God is calling us to right now? God comes to Joshua. He says this, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all of these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them. To the Israelites, I will give you every piece, uh, every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. So they die off, generation dies off in disobedience, And then God comes to Joshua and says, now you're in charge. You ready to go? You ready to move? We're right on the edge of the promised land. You can see it right there. Are you ready to take the promised land? And Joshua says, yes. And so he sends two spies into the, to the land, and he goes into the city called Jericho, and maybe you know the story, and they uh, come across a, a prostitute named Rahab, and she ends up hiding them, and they get back to Joshua, and they give him the report, and they say, clearly God is giving us this land. Let's go and take it. And so God tells him the next steps. He says this. He says, tell the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. That's a weird plan. That's a very weird plan. The plan is, okay, we're gonna go into this land and the first thing I need you to do is get a bunch of pastors together and they're gonna carry this like giant like chest that holds the 10 commandments in it and it's representative of, of God's presence among us and what I want you to do is I want you to carry it down to the Jordan River and then I want everybody to just start walking in. So like line up all of Israel behind them, millions of people and then just it's time to get wet. Let's go. Now, it doesn't say when the water dried up. It doesn't say like they walked in and it got up to like their knees or to their waist or to their shoulders. But I would imagine you're walking in and if it didn't happen pretty quick, you're going, okay, are you sure that you heard from God? Because like, oh, I don't know how to swim and this is going to be uncomfortable. And So they did. The entire nation walks into the water. I thought about saying, and they all drowned, but that would be rude. That's not the story. That would be funny to see if you're listening, but I won't say that today. Um, They all walked in, and then they drowned. That was the end of the story. All right, have a great week, you guys. God bless. Don't drown out there. (laughs) Okay, sorry. It says this, when the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, choose 12 men from among the people. One from each tribe and tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan from right where the priests are standing and carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. And so they all cross across the river. They get there and then God says, okay, time out. Let's pause because something monumental has taken place here. This is like a, a milestone for, for my people. And so I want you to celebrate. I want you to remember. And so you're going to get 12 stones from the middle of the river. So remember, the priests are still in the middle of the river, and they're holding the ark, and they're like, okay, I just, uh, man, I'm leg day. Okay, here we are, you know. And so they get the rocks, and they bring them over, and they create this monument. And the monument is an opportunity for when people pass by, especially future generations, when they walk by this big monument, they're gonna go, now what is this all about? Why did you guys put this here? And they're gonna say, oh, that's a part of our story. See, this is a milestone in our story is is this is that time in which God provided a way for us through the Jordan River. And, And he dried it up and we walked right through it. I mean, all, like a couple million of us, we got to the other side miraculously. And so let me tell you about God's faithfulness in that season says this, In the future, when your children ask, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. See, sometimes we need to stop and we need to have these these milestones, these moments to reflect on the season that has passed, specifically in in reflecting on not just all the opposition and the obstacles, and they had rebellion, and they had gossip, and they had a mess of a time, but primarily to remember God's faithfulness, is that when you thought that you weren't going to make it through, when it seemed like there was no way for this thing to work out, God continued to show up. And you get to reflect and go, you know, that's, that's what God did in this last year. And that's what kind of this weekend is about, is that's why we showed you the video and stuff, is because not that we want to talk about, everybody had a hard time. Everyone had a hard time this last year. We wanted to highlight the fact that God was faithful in this last year, that God continued to show up. And so this weekend, we want to only, uh, not only celebrate the fact that, uh, and this is kind of Ironic a little bit is the story of Joshua and Caleb is the story of them coming home, going full circle. Abraham started the promised land, and this is them arriving back in the promised land and they're home for the first time. And that's what it feels like this weekend is we're home for the first time. And so uh, after this, the story of course is not finished here. It's actually just the beginning. There's entire books of the Old Testament written about this, but they go into the land and they begin to battle for what is theirs. God says, these are your cities, this is your land, and although there's people inhabiting it, you're gonna have to go in and you're gonna have to take what I have promised you. If you fast forward to the end of Caleb and Joshua's life, years pass, and at this point, they're old men, and Joshua is dividing the land among the people of Israel, and he finally gets to Caleb, his faithful old friend, the only one from his generation besides himself that has survived, and here's what Caleb says to Joshua. Joshua. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses. Well, Israel moved about in the wilderness, so here I am today, 85 years old. So here he is, he's 85 years old, and this is kind of the scene that I have in my mind is he is just this old, weathered warrior. He's battle-hardened. He's gone from slavery to becoming a spy to living in the wilderness and then becoming a warrior, and he is just sitting there, and he's like, He's just leathery, you know? He's just hard. He's just like, he's a man's man. He has gone through the fire and he's come out on the other end stronger for it. He says, I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to the battle now as I was then. I'm 85 years old and I'm still ready to go. Bring these young whippersnappers. Let's go, I'll beat them with my cane. I don't care. I'm still ready to fight. I've still got it in me. Then here's what he asked for. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard then that the uh, Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified. But the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. What does he want? What does Caleb ask for at 85 years old after he has lived this incredible life? What does he want? Another battle. He says, give me another mountain to climb. I don't want conquered land. I don't want the easy path. What I want is I want to take more land. I want to conquer more land for the kingdom. I don't want the easy way. I'm a warrior, and so I will continue to be a warrior until the day that I die. Totally reminds me of my, uh, my own grandfather. He was a spiritual warrior. He was a pastor his entire life, and he was in his 80s, and There came a a time when it was very clear that he was at the end of his life. His body was shutting down and you could not pull him away from the church. (laughs) I think just within a couple weeks of him dying, he was still greeting at the front door. He was still taking calls. He was still doing counseling from his hospital bed. He said, look, unless the breath is taken out of me, I will still be a spiritual warrior until the moment that I die. That's who Caleb was. See, we think that to be blessed means to, and it says this verse, then Joshua blessed Caleb and gave him Hebron as his inheritance. See, when we think of inheritance, when we think of blessing, we think of easy life. See, if this were written today, if we wrote this, it would say something like, and then Joshua blessed Caleb with a nice retirement and 401k. (laughs) That's the American dream, right? But that's not the biblical dream. The biblical dream is, give me more giants to slay. Give me more land to take. Allow me to do more for the kingdom. I don't care if it's giants or geriatrics, I'm going to fight. Because my life is about the mission. And you cannot stop me from pursuing this mission until my last breath. When I look at this story, I think, you know, today is a milestone. And there's been a lot of milestones throughout SCG history, and I think today is is yet another one of them. But I've also realized that there is a battle in front of us. There is a mountain that stands before us, and it is full of giants lurking everywhere. And so the question is, are we ready to take that mountain or not? Because it is going to take sacrifice. It's going to be costly. It's going to be It's going to take conviction and commitment, and it's going to be dangerous. And so this is why I think Joshua says, uh, he repeats it over and over again. When he's sending the Israelites out into battle, he says, be strong and courageous. Throughout the story, it wasn't until someone stepped up who was strong and courageous, and they took the first step, that God showed up. It, It wasn't until they decided, okay, we're going to walk across this river, and it's not until we get wet and we step in there and we take the first step that God's actually going to show up. See, what God is looking for is people who are willing to take that first step out in faith, they're gonna trust him. They're gonna, see, here's the problem, is people ask me all the time, and I experience this myself, is how come I don't see God show up like he did in the Bible? And I say, because you don't live like they did in the Bible, You don't live like you need God to show up. You're not so far out on the edge of faith that you're like, I have no idea how this is going to work out. We are so far away from that edge of faith that it's like, God doesn't need to show up. We've got it, we're safe. And so if you wanna see God show up like this in your life, it's gonna make, you have to be strong and courageous and he says this, and he must be committed. If you want God to show up, at the very end, Joshua says this, As he's standing there before the Israelites, one of the last things that he tells them as he's reflecting on his life, he says, Choose today whom you will serve. As for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. See, I I think that many of us, we have these reasons in our mind. Okay, I just got to wait till I graduate. Okay, well, I gotta wait until I get a good job. I I need to wait until I get married or have kids or buy a house or retire. Then I can truly dedicate my life to serving the Lord. And He right here challenges us. He says, No, 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 no. He says, Choose today whom you will serve. Because me and my church family, we're gonna serve the Lord. And so choose today if you would like to join us or not. God has placed a mountain in front of us. And I see this mountain, I think, more and more clearly. Maybe you see it too. It's family and friends who are far from God. It's a culture that is drifting further and further away from faith on a daily basis. And so we have to ask this question. Are we going to serve the Lord in our day? Are we going to climb that mountain? Are we going to fight that battle? Because there is a battle that's happening over people's souls every single day. Are we going to sit idly by and just watch the battle in front of us? Or are we going to engage and say, until I take my last breath, I will be a warrior for the kingdom? I think this is the opportunity that we have before us today is it is not just a milestone, but it's a challenge because we do have a challenge in front of us. And so I would invite you to join in in this family who serves the Lord today to take that next mountain. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for your faithfulness in this last season. As we continued, it felt like almost on a daily basis to not know what we should do next and what was coming next. And we were always surprised and thrown off guard. You were never confused. You were never surprised. You knew what we needed to do. And so, Lord God, you you oftentimes put us in these situations in which it is obvious that we cannot find a way out so that you can be magnified, so that we can see your power and glory as you guide us through it. And so, Lord God, we pray that in this next season you will do it again. Lord, we see a mountain in front of us. We see a mountain of people, our friends, our family, our culture that is continuing to get further away from you. And Lord God, we want to fight for those people's souls because you fought for us. And so Lord God, help us to be warriors in your kingdom. We love you. It's your name we pray, amen. You guys stand with me. Hey, thank you guys so much for being with us back. Uh, Welcome back weekend. We're so honored that you would be here. Um, Here's the good news. We're back again next weekend, okay? Yeah, I know, I know. I'm so excited. It's gonna be awesome. But to celebrate, we're gonna have some food outside. So make sure you go out there, you hang out a little bit and we're gonna see you here next weekend. God bless. We hope you enjoyed this message. And remember, we also have live outdoor services underneath our tent at Saturdays at 5 p.m. and Sundays at 9 a.m. You can always join us online at seacoastgrace.org or on our YouTube and Facebook pages to hear these messages in real time.